Welcome to the front porch with Lauren Mohor. I'd like to welcome today's guest and team leader developers, I think of our essentials product, Ross Stratman. Ross, welcome to the front porch. Thank you. Are you actually the team lead for like all of the essentials developers or, or what does that look like? No, I'm one of three team leads okay. in essentials. We have three team leads, one technical lead, and then Robert, who is our manager. Okay. He's the big head honcho right. of everyone. He's the guy that knows everything. Gotcha. Okay. And I think we just interviewed him, if I remember, not too long ago. A couple months ago. A couple months ago. So be sure to check out his podcast if you haven't uh, heard about him yet. But let's just start with the basics with you. We're here to talk about Ross. Um, so who are you? Where are you from? And what's your favorite dessert? Who am I? I am a human being from planet Earth. <laughs> uh, my favorite dessert? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like dessert. I'll like anything. Uh, probably ice cream. I'll have to say ice cream. Okay. I just want to clarify. I'm not providing you with dessert. I'm just curious about what your answer is. Oh. Is there a certain flavor of ice cream that you're... Uh, I really like dulce de leche. Ooh. It's I've like, never heard anyone say that. It's like a caramel in it. Uh-huh. That's yeah, really good. Like so that's something leads. you can get at the store yeah. or is that something you have to make at home? No, I, I get store. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I've never seen that. Bluebell doesn't make it, I think. Oh, see, that's uh, why I don't dryers, know. Dryers, I think they do. Okay. See, I'm only Bluebell. Like, it's Bluebell or, or, or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, what did you want to be when you were a kid, say, ages 8 to 10 or so? Well, that was 50 years ago, quite literally 50 years ago. Congratulations. Uh. I don't really remember, but it was probably something like being a cowboy or something that had to do with like being out in the wilderness. Okay. Is that something that, I mean, our office isn't located what I would consider the wilderness. <laughs> um, is that something that you still uh, aspire to be or? I do like the outdoors. Yeah. I do enjoy the outdoors. Uh-huh. What aspects of the outdoors do you like? Uh... I don't know. I, 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 I'm I one of the few people that actually enjoy, like, mowing my grass. Okay. Taking care of the yard. I've, I've heard that quite a few people actually enjoy that. Ben, my husband, he's just like, any opportunity he gets, he's like, I'm going to go mow. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you mowed, like, two days ago. I'm sure the grass is still growing. It's fine. <laughs> I knew Ben was my spirit animal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Um, all right. So what was your first job? Um, and your first step to achieving your outdoor lifestyle? Well, my first job, believe it or not, came right after that time. Uh, I was 11 years old. Okay. And I had a paper route. Oh. And, yeah, for those who don't know, paper was this sort of <laughs> the the ancient equivalent of a Twitter feed uh-huh. <laughs> that was written on ink and parchment. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. I would deliver it to the little houses and go around and collect money at the end of the month. Via bike, via camel, bike, bike. okay. Yeah, camp. well, I, I would have used a camel, but I had a little bicycle. So okay, gotcha, fair enough. Let's go. My my dad was did paper out there for a while, too, and he talks fondly of it. I don't I don't really know why, <laughs> but he was just like, it was just fun just to drive around and throw things at people's houses. I actually enjoyed it, believe it or not. The only problem is it's every day, day mm-hmm. in, day. There's never a rest. It's mm-hmm. just every day you have to get up at 5 in the morning and go deliver papers. 
Mm, okay. Which for an 11-year-old, there's no way you're getting me up at 5 a.m. unless it was like Christmas morning or something. So kudos to 11-year-old Ross. I have no <laughs> idea how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine uh, if you had to de- hand-deliver Twitter feeds, though. That would be ooh. so much more tiring. That would, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So your LinkedIn goes back to 1996. But it also says you wrapped up college in 1991. So what are you doing in those five years kind of between the two? Well, uh, I actually was doing, working on my career. I mean, I, I worked at, uh, as a software engineer at a couple of places. I think Mary Kay was one of them. Hmm. And uh, where else did I work? I don't know. A few. T- uh, Mary Kay Cosmetics. And who else did I work? I don't remember. I don't know. Someone. But you were a software developer for yes. Mary Kay. You were not selling Mary Kay products. No, no, no I did okay. not sell, sell Mary Kay products. Gotcha. <laughs> so what did you go to school for? For software development? Yes. Or that just came about? Computer yes. Computer science. Yes. Okay. What did that look like in the late 80s, early 90s? Uh, what, computer science? Mm-hmm. Like going to school for that, yeah. Oh, well, going to school for that? Well, first off, that's all. The, I went to UT Tyler. Okay. And the only degree path they had, they, well, they had three. It was computer science, and you could minor in business or mathematics, or you could minor in computer science, which is interesting. Okay. And that was it. I mean, nowadays, there's they have management of information systems. There's game development. There's all kinds of different degrees you can get. But back then, it was just one. It's computer science. That mm-hmm. was it. So that's different. Okay. I think at one point you told me that, like, development, like when you first learned it, is different than how you develop today? Like I know languages have changed over time, but is there like a different process in how you go about development? Well, yes. I mean, when when I was in school, everything, all all programming was linear, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, with the advent of Windows, and it came out, I guess in, I'm going to say 90, well, I don't remember when it came out. But anyway, that was the advent of event-driven programming. Okay. Which was different than, of course, that came after I graduated. So I did some of that, you know, the, the GUI design, that sort of thing. So that's totally over my head. So is that, is that that's different than linear? Yes. Okay. Yes. How is that different? Well, uh, event-driven programming is you, you set up uh, procedures that will, like, listen for events. Mm-hmm. And then the little code snippet will run. Oh. And even fire its own events. And and. But with linear programming, there's a there's one entry point. Uh-huh. The it's code kind of runs, an if runs, then runs, 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 statement, basically. Yes. Okay, right. gotcha. That makes sense. Um, let's see. So at some point, uh, I guess we kind of already discussed this because you pretty much went to school for software development, and you started in software development. Do you ever stray from that, or have you always been doing software? Uh, well, ever since I graduated from college, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before then, I did well paper routes <laughs> I uh, worked in uh, restaurants I uh, did a lot of construction okay gotcha would you ever go back to any of those do you think or uh, you're like softwares where I'm at I you know I again I'd be I, I really liked uh, doing uh, landscaping mm-hmm. I did that as well worked in nursery I was a, actually I was a Texas certified nurseryman in the 80s really yeah You'll have to come and tell me how I'm supposed to keep my lawn alive. <laughs> <laughs> keep Ben on it. That'll keep Ben work. on it. <laughs> there you go. Um, and it looks like most of your jobs have been here in the DFW area, except for two of them, one in Las Vegas and one in Fairbanks, Alaska. 
Were those on-site or were they remote? They were, well, uh, the one in Alaska was remote, although I I did have to go for one month at one point, and that was very interesting. It's in Fairbanks. My plane landed in the middle of February at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was pitch black outside. And it was also 30 below zero. That was really interesting. Did you have a coat? I did have a coat. Okay, good. (laughs) It barely helped. It was it was surprising. It really surprised me. It, it sort of felt like it does here when it's like ten degrees. Huh? I, you know, you'd think it'd be worse somehow, but it right. just kind of felt the same to me. And Fair, is Fairbanks coastal, or no? That's more inland. It's right at the dead center of Alaska. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So they're probably not going to have as much humidity as we would have here. Uh, I, I, I remember <laughs> it being kind of dry. Yeah. Okay. The West Coast doesn't really have do humidity. It doesn't have humidity, but not there's re- water. Really. It's it's pretty. I don't think it's the humidity can survive nice. the cold. Oh. <laughs> That's true. I guess I've just always heard that, like, a dry heat or a dry cold is very different than a wet heat or a wet cold. Like, very, like, humidity, like, really affects how cold it feels to, like, humans. Well, it, it was interesting. I'll tell you this. The weather, during, when, like I said, I was there for a month. And when March came around, the weather broke. And I put that in quotations because it <laughs> went from 30 below up to zero. Oh, okay. Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. And the locals were walking around, and I kid you not, in flowery shirts and Bermuda shorts. Really? And yes. Now, I still <laughs> wore my coat. I still, But it did. You could feel the air. I mean, it did. It felt nice. Yeah. Come, of course, we're compared to Compared to negative 30, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything would feel better than that. All right. Um, so how did you manage to do the Alaska one? Did you, I mean, other than wearing a coat everywhere you went. Um like, how did you get connected with that? How did you? Oh, find okay. This well, that's I, th- that was a contract I had with. Uh, it was Rogers Software Development, and I think I found them on Dice. I, I don't remember, uh, but uh, th- well, they they hired a bunch of contractors. In fact, they had a hundred contractors at the time, hmm. and uh, uh, again, they flew me up there to Fairbanks for a month, like for training or whatever. And then it was remote. Then after that, it was all remote. So I came back and I worked remotely for uh, probably about nine months till they, the the Great Recession hit at the end of two thousand eight, uh, and they okay. laid everybody off. Is what happened. Okay, so if this was two thousand eight. You would have had at least Charlie would have been around. So how did you manage going up to Alaska for a month? Did he come with you? Well, or? He, no, he stayed with his mom. Oh, okay, during that time. Gotcha makes more sense are you having to sell her on like this whole thing like hey uh gonna be gone for a month oh yeah she was fine with it (laughs) she's like get out of my hair i need a break (laughs) for a little bit understandable um not that like people would need a break from you ross (laughs) i totally understand believe me i need a break for myself every once in a while Okay, so um, how did you end up at Point of Rental after kind of all of these different software positions? Well, uh, okay, I tell you, I had a, it was another contract, and they wanted to convert me full-time, which I I did, I gladly did, and I worked there for about another year, and it was a great place to work. In fact, the the culture was a lot like Point of Rental culture. I mean, everybody got along great, they all had, you know, everybody's friendly, and did a lot of things out, you know, extracurricular stuff together. but I could tell the company was going through solvency issues, and I could just see it. And I don't I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but but I, I got nervous about just 
how they were doing financially. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went through like three rounds of layoffs, or actually no, four rounds of layoffs in a year. And I just got really, really nervous. And, of course, I, just, I survived all the layoffs. And my boss kept telling me, no, everything's fine, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But I was just too nervous. So I started looking. And yeah. I just tripped over point of rental. I'm not even sure where. Dice, maybe, or okay. however. Just online, Evan yeah. and Robert, yeah. However they advertised it. And I just tripped over it. Talked to Robert. Came in for an interview. And which was interesting because I thought I really flubbed the interview. I can't believe they hired me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what made you think you flubbed it? Well, they they what they do is part of of, the, of our interview process, which is we still do today, is we give all the candidates a a, a logic problem to go mm-hmm. through, and it's an extremely difficult logic problem, and I just felt like I did terribly bad on it, and so when they called me up, I just I was really like, uh, are you sure you were thinking of a different <laughs> candidate? You got wired across to calling me. Uh-huh. But then, but, but then again, I mean, I guess in my defense or whatever, now that I've seen other candidates do this problem, I'm actually kind of average. You know, I didn't do too terribly bad. I mean, uh-huh. in retrospect, pragmatically looking at how I did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. And, well, I'll ask. I'm sure I'll ask that later. Great. Um, so it says you're also running Stratman Software LLC. Uh, are you developing anything that I would have seen over there? Like maybe you created a super popular game for cell phones or something <laughs> like that. I uh, actually, well, I no, I did create a, I did create one iPhone app that's come, it's gone now. It was ten years ago. It was just for recording baseball games, right? In a baseball game, oh, just keep okay. track of the. Yeah, it, it's really simple. Like keeping track of the stats or like recording the videos so you can watch it later? No, no, recording the game itself. Like, you know, here's a batter, you know, mm-hmm. strike one, strike two, strike three, okay. here's out, one out, oh, two. Oh, so just a scorecard? Yeah, just a scorecard. Oh. Just, you know. And, uh, but that was uh, really not what the Stratman Software LLC was for. So what happened is when when I was in Las Vegas and I left Las Vegas, I came back here, mm-hmm. left that contract there, I just thought, well, it would probably be easier to manage my contract. Well, it is easier because I can do a business to business contract with it. That's why I did it. So then, because then all my contracts, I would try to do a business to business if they would, you know, some of them would, would were only W two or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but I, I, that's why I use the LLC first is for my contracts. Gotcha. So are you still developing anything with that, or just kind of? No, 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 no. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I piddle around, you know, on, on things like you know, I've, I've got my, I've got a website where I. You know, plotted like the Mendelbrot set, have a little tic-tac-toe game. Just simple little silly things. That okay. Tic-tac-toe different than normal tic-tac-toe or is this No, like, it's just it? regular old tic-tac-toe. <laughs> okay. and, and I did it because uh, there is a way to play tic-tac-toe where you cannot possibly lose. Just mathematically. If you play if you play perfectly, if you play perfect, I play perfect. Uh-huh. You can't It's always a tie. It's always a tie. So I, I just like where you get to, the cat cat scratch right, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I just wanted to challenge myself that I could like write the code that would never ever lose. Oh, okay. And uh, I've never beaten it so far. So. Really? Okay. <laughs> so if anyone wanted to try their hand at it, where would they find it? Stratmansoftware.com. Okay. Cool. I may have to try it after this interview. <laughs> Um, all right. So what is the coolest thing that you've ever been a part of developing? Um, it, let's say it has to be a non-point of rental thing so you don't feel an obligation to say it was something you did here. What 
a non-parental thing that I did that I was, what, most proud of? Or yeah. Did? Hmm. Well, uh, I, okay, I, this comes to mind. I, uh, I was working at a, a steel foundry, and the, uh, the engineers would, uh, would design front-end bucket loaders for, for earth-moving equipment. Okay. And they needed to know how much material would go into a bucket if the bucket would hold so much material. You know, I'm talking about a front end loader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And so the big scoops. Well, yeah, but it's not a linear calculation. It's actually a curve. And so what the the engineers did is they came up with a uh, this matrix. So however much it would hold, and then they and so any any data point in between, they would just extrapolate those. And they, they were like, well, this, you know, they, they were constantly doing this. And they came to me and they asked me, what, you know, how to solve it. And so what I did is I, it was the only one and only time I've ever used calculus in, in a work setting. Whoa. Yeah, right. And I had, yeah, and it was, I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, I just had to take a, an integral, okay. you know, because of the curve to find out how much. It, and then from there, I had a formula that I could always use to calculate the mm-hmm. amount of material that was needed to make the bucket. <laughs> I I would not have even thought of that. Is, it does it depend on the type of material, or are they doing like oh, it was all the steel. Same stuff? It was, all steel. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, they might use different kinds of steel, but it would still be the same amount, or the, mm-hmm. it was the same curve that you know. And so, was this just you solving like a math problem, or did you actually turn it into a a piece of code that they? Could oh well, work no, with? I solved the math problem, uh-huh. then used the code to have a so they they okay. could just type in oh well I I've, I need a bucket that holds mm-hmm. two point three whatever, right. you know, cubic yards, and it would just... They insert that into the formula. Right. And it would spit out, oh, you mm-hmm. need this amount of material. This size. Uh, okay. Neat. That is cool. <laughs> um, so was there anything that you developed where you were like, why on earth would anyone want this? Hmm. <laughs> if I ever developed software and I thought, why on earth would anybody want this? Uh, I, you know, I, I know that happens a lot. And but I can't think of any specific thing that I did because mm-hmm. usually it's you know the boss tells you to do it and I just go do it and then I just promptly forget about it. Sure. So <laughs> I... <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> just thought we'd ask to see if there was anything that stood out to you. Um, so I guess at some point we should actually talk about what it is you do here at Pointer Fernal. So what is it that you work on? Well, I well I think you mentioned earlier I am a dev on the Essentials team. Mm-hmm. So I write software that for essentials, and uh, and well, like I said recently, they made me a team lead. So I team lead and write software. <laughs> How big is your team? Uh, well, right now there, there's there's two in in, in integrations. It's, we we call that the sub team is integ- is the integrations team, okay. and it's Leo and Manuel are on there. Mm-hmm. And I think our new intern is too. I, I don't know. I got to talk to Robert, but I think there's three of us now on that team. Okay, that was the rumor that I heard, but I'm right. not sure. If you don't know if she's on your team or yeah. they're on your team, well, then... I've, I've been working with her with Protractor and tests and stuff, and we're, uh-huh. you know, that's what we're doing this morning. So gotcha. <laughs> well, great. So, have you had much experience with integrations outside of Pointer Rental, or is this kind of your first time just working on integrating well? I mean, things in yeah, software? I mean. Typically, software integrates with other software, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's something you do. Normal. It's very normal. Gotcha. So, tell I don't know, what does day-to-day life look like 
being an essentials developer? I'm not sure. The people listening to this podcast may not know. What does that look like? Well, uh, hmm, I, I don't know how to answer that question. I can tell you what. Uh, we, we work in sprints. Sprints are three weeks long. And uh, the, the, the work comes in in the form of stories for our sprint. And the stories are all uh, uh, arranged by, uh, by product so that, you know, they come up with a priority list of what, what stories to work on. So we pull in a, a number of stories that we think we can get done in a sprint, and mm-hmm. then we start working on them. And uh, hopefully by the end of the sprint, we get most of them done. So stories might be something that we have customer feedback of, hey, this is not quite working like we'd expect it to, or we like this changed. And y'all kind of say, oh, yeah, this is like high priority. Let's change this, like that kind of a story or. Right. Yes. Like, let's say, uh, uh, I don't know. Let's say we have a big enterprise client and they need a big swath of code changed. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 they look at essentials. They go, well, 80% of it does exactly what we need, but we need this extra stuff. Right. So uh, what we'll do is, or product really does this, is they say, okay, well, here's there's so much work is, that we have to do. They'll divide it up into little stories, mm-hmm. right? Prioritize the stories, hand it to us, and then we build that. I see. And then at the end of the day or end of several sprints or whatever, we'll take all those stories, put them back together, and deliver. Here's, here's the code. <laughs> here's the new feature you wanted. So or, you, or the story could also be like a small, like here's a little bug. Okay, you know, when I click this, something wrong happens. Right. <laughs> so, so just go in there and fix it. Uh-huh. So are you allowed to say what stories or anything that you and your team are working on right now? Well, uh, right now, I, it, it, I guess Sans, the whole team, <laughs> is working on uh, a, an availability rewrite for Storefront and for it's and it, mainly because we have too many ways to calculate availability, and we're trying to like wrangle it in into mm-hmm. one. Sure. So that make it more streamlined, right. to make it easier to and, and, and doing that. I mean, we, we've sped it up too, which is kind of important. Storefront's a little slow. I mean, so gotcha. This speeds it up. Awesome. It also makes it dynamic too. So if so so if availability changes, it'll change real time. If somebody's in there looking at the app, mm-hmm. they don't have to like refresh or whatever to get fresh availability. It'll just It'll just automatically refresh there. Oh, that's great. So how has your job changed from going from a developer, one of a team, to being a team lead? Actually, not much has changed. Uh, Maybe that's why they made me a team lead, because I just sort of do the same thing that I was doing. But still 90% of what I do is just development. And now it's probably even less than 5% now is like just making sure that my team has what they need mm-hmm. to accomplish what they need to get done. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I meet with them uh, at least once every two weeks, like uh, a formalized meeting. Mm-hmm. And then informally, just whenever they need something, they come to me and I, whatever they need, I help them with. If they're stuck on a problem, I try to help them get mm-hmm. unstuck, whatever, that kind of thing. Have you ever had experience being a team lead on a development team before? Or is this first time? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I uh, I was a manager at one point years ago, back in the nineties. I I managed a team of engineers, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that was fun. And 
but my experience with that is, I'll just tell you, I I, I don't envy Robert's job. Uh, <laughs> I know okay. how difficult it is. Lots of meetings and just dealing with people. And, right. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Versus just being able to say, like, this is my task. This is the story I need to work on. Let's just move forward with that. I see. Um. But you like working with your team now and, and oh, yeah, I love developing my team. them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Essentials actually, it's a great place to work. Mm-hmm. And that you know, it's made it's made so by I mean Robert and Evan both. I mean they they're they're both very capable developers, very capable managers, right? Very capable engineers, architects. They're just and and they're personable. They're nice. Mm-hmm. They, they 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 make it fun. Yeah. And I guess I'm I'm assuming this probably comes trickles down from Wayne at some point, but. I've never worked directly with Wayne, so all I can say is Robert and Evan are great. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so what is the coolest project that you've completed here? The coolest project I've completed here? Could be something from the hackathon or just a different project. Well, uh, since it's completed, I'll have to say it was uh, depreciation. And the reason I say that is I wrote that as an experiment, I, of course, I, I cleared it with Robert first. I mean, again, it was a story, like we do sprints. And, sure. and it was to, to create a, a depreciation for our our users to use, mainly so they could, like, determine what uh, the value of their product is if and when they ever want to sell it. Mm-hmm. So they get something new in, they rent it for two or three years, they need to know how much it's worth after this time if they're going to sell it. Right. So we implemented just a straight line depreciation for them to use just for that. It's really not for accounting. It's just so they can try, you know, figure out what the value of their equipment is. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the part that, uh, it's, that, that I find interesting that I, I really liked about it was because it's sort of divorced from the rest of essentials. Like you could just turn it completely off. It wouldn't hurt anything. It's just, it's just more of it's an add-on. Uh-huh. So I wrote it. Outside of our typical tool set, which is uh, the the uh, the restores in in, in the, uh, the the client side and the browser side, we use these restores, and then in the, and then in the back end, we use the Symphony model system. And I completely bypassed both of those to do this with. And I, I, again, I cleared this with Robert first, so it, you know, so it's a completely different paradigm. But the reason I did that is so we would have a skeleton if we ever ran into a case where we had to bypass one of those. Okay. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we run into mm-hmm. area, oh, we really shouldn't use a restore here. Or, you know, this really does, you know, the model system doesn't work. So it's something people can use as a skeleton to steal code and, you know, mm-hmm. do something outside of those systems. I guess it makes sense for essentials to have a bunch of different modules that they can have turned on or turned off just because everyone needs their product to be so customized to them. Right. So good job. That is that is cool. That is helpful. <sighs> I wish I were somewhere warm. Wow, where am I? You're at Point of Reynolds International Conference in Arlington, Texas. This place is amazing. You too can enjoy Point of Reynolds International Conference this October. Register today at conference.pointofrental.com to reserve your space for extended software education, one-on-one learning, industry networking, great food, and fun. That's conference.pointofrental.com. See you there. All right. uh, Let's move on to Ross's interesting character questions. Um, So your son, Charlie, now works at Point of Rental. Um, First, let's talk about him coming to Point of Rental in the first place. 
Did you suggest it to him, or was it just a weird coincidence that he just happened to start working here? No, it wasn't a weird coincidence. Uh, he uh, he was in college, and with an emphasis on finance, he was studying finance. Okay. And I think he wanted to be an accountant or whatever when he grew up. <laughs> and uh, when it, he's getting close to graduation time, actually, it wasn't even before that. It was probably a year before graduation. I was just talking to him one day about how great Pointer Rental is. I just love working here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I'd like to check it out. And and he did. In fact, I think he played softball like a year before he started here just because I just, hey, it's really cool. You'd love these guys. You mm-hmm. know? You know, a lot of them are his age, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and he did. He just kind of fell in love with Pointer Rental himself and mm-hmm. sort of just I guess he forced his way into a job. I'm not sure how he did it. But. So he's following you because he wants to hang out with your friends, is what I've heard. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I've heard yeah, I guess you could <laughs> say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so you're saying he, he he was wanting to be in finance and do accounting, but he's currently in sales, to my understanding, sales and marketing, I guess, um, and you're a developer. So how did how did that happen? Well, the whole sales thing, I think, was when he did apply, that's kind of what was open for him. Mm-hmm. And he, I guess, I talked at Pointer Rentals so much, he really wanted to work at Pointer Rentals when right. he took it, mm-hmm. which is really cool. He's really excited about it. You know, yeah. he, I mean, he tells me, I mean, he's really proud, like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm ahead of all the, you know, the, the sales for the, there's inbound, there's outbound. He tells me about it. I'm not sure. Hundred percent of what all it is, but oh, sure. I'm I'm leading the outbound now. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, cool. Keep it up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you didn't pressure him to be a developer, do that, since that's kind of what you did. I did. I did pressure him when he was younger, uh-huh. and uh, to be a developer, I, I did, and I and I'm actually I lament that I shouldn't have. I should let him be what he wants to be. I think I think every good parent should. I mean, you should you should encourage your children to do what they're good at or, you sure. know, but you shouldn't force them into something that they don't want to mm-hmm. do. Well, it sounds like he's doing what he is enjoying doing and he's not a developer currently. He so. that all on his own. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. Uh-huh. There you go. Um, so do you still hope that he'll be a developer one day or are you just like, as long as he's doing what he's happy? I prefer him to do what he's happy doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So you don't need him to be... No. Your little apprentice or anything. Right. Okay. Um, so this is a question I never would have thought to have asked someone, but I was told to ask you, and now it might end up in the five important questions at some point. What is your favorite math problem? Oh, <laughs> I saw this on the list and you gave it to me. And, you know, I my favorite math problem, it, I mean, there's lots of like math formulas that I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's... You know, there's all of you know, Newton's kinetic formulas, and and there's uh, what Euler's formula, Euler's identity. Uh, but as far as problems go, I think right now I find the most interesting is the Collatz conjecture. What is that? The Collatz conjecture is this: it says, "Oh, and by the way, if you can solve this, I think I think there's some company in Australia that will give you a million dollars if you can prove this one or the other." <laughs> But it, it's very simple. It's a, it's a recursive algorithm, okay? And the it, it, it states this. You take any number, okay, and you plug it into the formula. And if the, if the number is odd, 
you multiply it by three and add one to it. If the if it's even, you take half of the number. And being recursive, whatever the result is, you plug it back into the same formula. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what the Colatz conjecture says, if you run this for any number, you will eventually get down to one. You will eventually hit one. And once you hit one, you're in a tight loop you can't get out of. Because one is odd. So Mm -hmm. three, three times plus one makes it four. Mm -hmm. Well, half of four is two, half of two is one. Uh, And you're in this tight loop. Right. And so every number, and they've tested this all the way out to something like hundreds of septillions or whatever. And every number will always fall to one. So there's no tight loops outside of the the, the one, four, two, one loop. Mm-hmm. If you found if you find one, you'll disprove the collapse conjecture and you'll win a million dollars. You can find one, but up in like I said, the however far they've tested it so far, huh. all of them go to one. No. <laughs> if they're getting into the septillions, I didn't even know that that was a is that like like you've got billion is septillion like five? Yes, seven. Of that? Okay. It's like, yeah, or, it's, okay. it's whatever. It's a big, it's a big giant number. Okay. It would take a long time for me to. Do we have to actually right. calculate it out, or can we just like throw random numbers at them and say you <laughs> well, guys figure out? What... Well, the, the the thing is, it's pro- well usually conjectures turn out to be true. They're, they're provable. The only, the only problem is this particular one is no one's been able to prove it yet. You know, using you know algebraic axioms and postulates they, they, nobody's been able to prove that that's the case okay but if you can prove it that it is the case or you can disprove it either way somebody will give you a million bucks it's not me some you have to look it <laughs> <laughs> it's not pointer riddle it's not our no. Australian office <laughs> <don't think> so. <laughs> um and what is it called again the collatz conjecture collatz conjecture okay i'll have to google it i don't think i'll solve it but interesting how is that used in like r- real life I guess. The Colas conjecture? Yes. Or is uh, it just something that they found in math that they were it's like, just huh. interesting. Okay. It's an interesting problem. Gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know if it had something to do with space, but okay. Let's see. So how did you learn to speak Spanish? Uh, well, first off, I really don't. I speak at it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I used to work construction a lot. And there was a lot of uh, Hispanic people that worked construction. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I just worked out there. I just did it. And, and uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Thirteenth Warrior. No. But well, <laughs> well, if, if any of the listeners, Spanish, if they, or is it English? No, <laughs> no. But what it is, it's about a, it, it's a, it's about an uh, an Arabic prince okay. who goes off to to with the Vikings up into the north, and he doesn't speak the Viking language, and he's sitting there listening to them. It, it's like the first part of the movie as they're moving from Arabia to Sweden or wherever they're going. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there listening to their language, and it's just all garbly goo mm-hmm. until. But every once in a while, he's hearing, you know, horse, car, you know, whatever. And and then by the by the time they get there, he actually speaks that language. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened to me. I was just out there, and all of a sudden, I kind of realized, hey, I just understood what he said. You mm-hmm. know, and of course, of course, it wasn't a week like it was in the movie. It took right. it took several several months, mm-hmm. and uh, but I got to where I could kind of understand him. And uh, and then when I got married, my 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 wife was from. Uh, Mexico, mm-hmm. so she sort of fostered it a little bit too. Right, yeah. but I really don't. I mean, my Spanish is terribly bad, so don't think I actually speak it. I speak at it. I mean, I can, I can defend myself. I guess if I got lost in some Latin American country, I could, you know, 
but that's about it. You can get out of it any sticky. I couldn't do like this podcast here. I don't think I could handle this in Spanish. Be yeah, way beyond my abilities. Well, <laughs> that's far beyond. It sounds like much better than mine. I can order at a Mexican restaurant, and that's about it. <laughs> I was going to say you, you'd probably be thrown off by how much worse our Spanish is. <laughs> so I yes. don't think that. Would... <laughs> All right, so I'm told that you enjoy attending Renaissance festivals. Um, uh, I can I can see that maybe because of your beard, not to stereotype. Um, but please answer the following questions as though you were participating in one right now. Uh, how many Ren Fairs have you been to? Uh, different ones? Or how many altogether? I've been to three different ones. How, how, many, have, how many times have you attended one? I guess. Uh, Are there three a year that you go to? I used to go to three a year. <laughs> uh Mm. A dozen times. One dozen. Okay. Um, why do you attend them? I, it's, I don't, that's a really good question. And <laughs> I don't really know. I just sort of enjoy it. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Kind of takes you out of your normal <laughs> life. Yeah, I guess that, the whole thing about, you know, how people need to take a break from me. And I need to take a break for myself. Uh-huh. That's sort of how I take a break for myself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so do you it tied back into your like age eight to ten? I just want to be out in the in the wilderness. Well, that too. It's, you know, it's kind of rustic. Do you dress up when you go? I there? do. You do. Yes. Do you have a certain like costume that you wear every time? I or does typic- it change? Yeah, I typically dress up like a pirate. Okay. And, and I, well, I, I, a lot of people say this, and I kind of agree with it. I sort of look like Bob Hoskins a little bit. The actor, okay. Bob Hoskins. I'll Google him later. So, well, <laughs> so anyway, when I don this, you know, pirate apparel, I everybody does. They think I look like Smee from Hook. Yes, okay. <laughs> That's Bob Hoskins. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just kind of ran with it. So, in fact, people, hey, Smee. And I'm like, right, good tomorrow, <laughs> sir. Whatever. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We said that you're supposed to be answering in character here for as though you're... Hey, oh, <laughs> I shall try, sir. <laughs> so um, when do these Ren Fairs take place normally? Ah, in the cool of the fall or the beginning of springs. Okay, so so not too hot to where you've got all of your garb on that it's just I, too hot to handle. I, okay? Not the Texas true, summer. young lassie. <laughs> so um, during the actual Renaissance, did they have middle age fairs? Aye, I believe they did. Fairs were, avail- were available at that time. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and now, how strict are you about maintaining period accuracy with your character in terms of like how you dress it, or you dress like Captain Jack Sparrow? Ah, as much as possible. As much as possible. <laughs> okay. Um, did you have any more questions for me? <laughs> I I did not. I thank thee, thank thee, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, okay. I guess shifting gears a little bit, uh, I've also heard that you're a big fan of Doctor Who. Um, so if there was a giant battle where all of the doctors met at a certain place in time, um, who would win? I saw that question. Yeah. And I really, and I think any Doctor Who fan would probably back me up on this. Okay. And it would be a toss up between the War Doctor, which was played by John Hurt, okay. or the Ninth Doctor, played by. Christopher Eccleston. One of those two would be the definitive winner, I believe. 
Why do you believe that? Because they're the tough guys. They were the ones who fought in the time wars. Okay. I forget. Are, are one of them the ones that had the big scarf? That was the fourth doctor. That was the fourth doctor. Played by Tom okay. Baker. Never mind. Scarf uh, doesn't seem like an asset in a war. Like <laughs> <laughs> so have you seen all the Doctor Who's then? I've uh, Many, yes. Yes, okay. I really only saw the um, David Tennant on, and then I think once it went to the either the old the older guy who played him or the lady, I stopped watching there. But I watched Matt Smith and, and David Tennant, and I enjoyed that. Ten and eleven. <laughs> yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, twelve is uh, Peter Capaldi. Yes, I watched him for a little bit, but not as much afterwards. Okay. Um, Okay, now we can start recording, and you can answer the five important questions. Five important questions. Five important questions. Five important questions. questions. (laughs) Okay, so uh, five important questions. Question number one. Um, What would you say is your greatest success in life? My greatest success in life? Uh, Charlie. (laughs) <laughs> Do you want to expand any more on that or just well, I, having a son? He's definitely my favorite thing that's ever happened to me in this life. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let it go to your head, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you. If you could tell First Day a Point of Rental Ross one piece of advice that would lead to an even smoother transition, um, what would you say? Uh, hmm. I don't know. I had a very smooth transition in Pointer Rental. Uh, I do know that we have a, the essentials is, well, it's not just essentials. I think it's the rental business is extremely complicated. It's way more complicated than you would give it credit for. And uh, like, well, when, when I started here, I quite literally had to work 12-hour days just to wrap my brain around our code base mm-hmm. because of the complexities in there. Uh, and that's what I tell everybody who starts is like, you know, just take the time, do what it takes to, to learn, you know, what, what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know, most of the people we hired, you know, they're young and their minds work, you know, I'm, I'm 58 <laughs> years old and drink all the time. It's kind of tough <laughs> on me. <laughs> but Hey, um, well, no, I'm not going to say that. That's, that's a good piece of advice. I think that's good. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, number four, what is your most embarrassing moment as a pointer? Oh, this one's easy, and it's so embarrassing I hate to even bring it up. But uh, I got crossways on Facebook one time, and this person decided to, like, raise a bunch of problems with uh, – with, and I'm not even sure what they did. Apparently they got on – Pointer Reynolds website and started saying, "Hey, you got some kind of crazed, racist, evil person, y'all need, you know." And yeah, uh, yeah, it was very embarrassing. So, in fact, I don't even get on Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. So, okay. <laughs> so, so h- helped you out in the long run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, sorry to say that you've been sentenced to death. As getting in fights online with people or saying your opinions online is uh, now a capital offense. Um, so it's a weird international law now. I, I don't know. Um, what is your last meal and why? My last meal. Hmm. 
it would have to be a ribeye steak covered in sautéed champagne mushrooms mm-hmm. with a baked, loaded baked potato and a nice little glass of Cabernet or Merlot. Oh, why not both? Two glasses. They don't have to be little glasses. They can be larger oh, glasses if you like. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Do you want any dessert with this? Final ice meal? cream. Ice cream? Dulce de leche ice cream. Okay. <laughs> um, you're not actually sentenced to death. We don't have this food for you. I'm sorry. But that's a good thing to know for the future in case <laughs> we need to know this. All right. Uh, question number five. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Uh, one thing, hmm, I would like to be six foot four. Okay. Rather than your six foot five that you are now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Keep telling you. Keep telling me that. Uh-huh. Um, if you could change one thing at Pointer Rental, what would it be? Hmm. What would I change? Uh, how about my salary? I would make $300 million a minute. I, I better not say that with inflation always going. We might have to. She'd be ahead of things, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, question number five. If you oh oh, I've already asked that. Question number five. What is your spirit spice? My spirit spice. Uh huh. Hmm. So not Ben as your spirit <laughs> animal, but if you were to reach into your spice cabinet and pull out a spice. My spirit spice would. Oh my gosh! There's so many I like. Oh, see there. There's garlic, and then there's basil, there's pesto. It's not what you like. It's what embodies you as. What embodies me? Garlic. I'll just say garlic. Your garlic. Why Why is garlic your spirit? Because it has a very pungent odor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, accepted. <laughs> uh, question number five. Tell me a secret about point of rental. A secret about point a secret about point of rental. Uh, a se- I, I don't. Well, if I told you, it wouldn't be a secret, mm-hmm. would it? Mm-hmm. But I don't really know of any, honestly. Or something that is not super well known to our customers, or um, maybe people not in the U.S. office, or. Well, this is probably not a secret, but if you walk up and down the hallway where I'm at down here. Mm-hmm. The average IQ is probably well above 135. Wow. I would guess. I mean, I've never taken anybody's IQ. Out there. <laughs> they were probably I didn't know if you were regularly testing people that walked by your desk. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Ross, for chatting today. It's been awesome. Or Shmi, thank you also for... Hi. <laughs> it was lovely. <laughs> Send Ross some love this week. Send him an email. Maybe a gif of your favorite Renaissance fair characters. Or just your favorite uh, gifts from Hook. Oh, yeah. Um, And just be epic and let them know that you care. Thanks for listening today, and we'll keep the porch light burning for you.